Welcome everyone to Outside Inside Radio. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ella Turen. And I'm Kathy Foley-Meyer, your other co-host. And we are here with the amazing and creative Jimmy Wu, who is also the executive director of Inside Out Writers. Welcome, Jimmy. So happy to have you on the show. I am so grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Kathy and Ella, for inviting me. So we have a lot to talk about um, because you are a man of many, many talents. But I wanted to start off by um, talking about Inside Out Writers, which is an organization that I love dearly and has been doing such great work with young people who are inside and outside. And I think that's one of the very unique things and wonderful things about Inside Out Writers. But folks may not know that you are the executive director but you also were a writer with Inside Out Writers. So I wonder if you could talk about that journey a little bit. And even I'd love to know if your writing journey started even before Inside Out Writers. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Ella, for that awesome introduction. And just so you know, I and Inside Out Writers love you in return, right? And so, oh, you. you know, you. Uh, <laughs> of course. And so, yeah, just to provide an overview of the work that we do on Inside Out Writers, we are in our 26th year of operating inside the LA County Juvenile Halls. Beginning in 1996, we provided innovative creative writing classes to incarcerated youth in one of the main juvenile halls here in Los Angeles County called Central Juvenile Hall. And one of the co-founders of our organization was the Catholic chaplain of Central Juvenile Hall back in the mid-1990s. She always knew, based off of her work, working inside impoverished, under-resourced communities with young people who end up incarcerated, that there was always like so much more to them, right, than the crimes they were being accused of committing. And she simply wanted people to hear their truths and understand why young people ended up incarcerated in the first place. So she ended up reaching out to volunteers who were all writing professionals to be able to start, begin providing creative writing classes to offer a means of support to give a tool or instrument to these incarcerated youth to be able to engage in authentic self-expression, to engage in introspection, to really start thinking about who they really were and the root causes of why they ended up making certain decisions that resulted in their arrest and incarceration. In so doing, by finding themselves through paper and pen, being able, if they were comfortable enough to do so, sharing these original writings with those that were participating in these classes with the hope that these young individuals would really be able to see that they had more in common than in differences. And so that was the original idea. And it was just an innovative creative writing class that began in the mid-1990s. And based off the incredible success of these classes, where there was a huge decrease, a reduction in any type of inappropriate, detrimental, negative behaviors or activities that were occurring inside these juvenile halls for participants of these creative writing classes, that is what ended up resulting in inside writers 
being formed as an official 501c3 nonprofit organization. So since that time, our writing program, as it's now called, grew from these innovative creative writing classes to result in classes provided in what was three previous LA County juvenile halls up until the closure of one of the juvenile halls in the city of Downey, you know, just recently. And we remain present inside the two remaining juvenile halls, providing these creative writing classes. In the course of the past 26 years of providing these classes, we've impacted the lives of over 26,000 who have been given this tool, this instrument. So again, be able to discover themselves and those around them through the art of authentic self-expression through creative writing. Separate from our writing program, in 2009, board members, longtime teachers came together and thought of how we can provide a continuum of care and support to individuals that we had impacted, that we have encountered while they were in juvenile hall, to support them with their reentry and reintegration journeys and experiences as they came home from incarceration. So our alumni program was formed in 2009 and now consists of six interconnected components. At at the forefront is case management services, where we provide a holistic approach, meeting people exactly where they are, first cultivating and nurturing meaningful and trusting relationships to share with them who we are as staff, case managers in particular, who work directly with them better learning who they are as individuals. Then we start talking about where they are in their lives now, in real time. We start looking at what are their immediate needs. When we talk about recidivism, right, re-arrest or reincarceration, oftentimes people have this misconception that people just don't care to be able to live a life they've been given post-incarceration, and second, third, fourth, fifth chances, what have you. The reality, though, is that sometimes people just don't have the necessary resources. They don't have the necessary mentorship, right, the guidances that so many of us take for granted. So what we try to do is make sure that they know that we're here to support them, to, again, again, meet them where they are, build a meaningful relationship. Then we start talking about what are your immediate needs? Now that you're home, what is it that you want to do with your life? And what are the things that you need right now in terms of stability that oftentimes, again, is taken for granted? So our case management services begin there. We take a look at where they are with housing, with transportation, with life documents, with counseling, making sure many of these taken for granted needs are met so that they are able to acquire this very imperative stability, right? Then after that is done, we start looking at what they want to do with themselves. What are your goals? Do you want to complete high school? If so, let's help you get a GED. Let's help you earn your high school diploma. If you want to go into college, let's talk about enrolling you into a college, registering for classes, helping you get financial aid. If you have financial responsibilities, and you need to seek gainful employment, let us do our best to help you draft a first-time resume in most cases, right, without any prior professional experience. Let's help you understand the importance of a cover letter. Let's help you even create a professional email account 
because some email addresses, unfortunately, are kind of... Yes, yes. A little too personal. Yeah, a little too personal. Exactly. So let's make it more professional because if you're right. an application for a hopeful employment opportunity, but it's coming from an email address that isn't necessarily a professional, that may be an immediate disqualifier, okay? It's true. Yeah. Those are things that we tackle when it comes to case management, right? To really to offer support to help individuals who have been system impacted just be able to live and lead, you know, successful lives post-incarceration. Separate from case management, our alumni program offers five pro-social activities, as we call it. At the forefront of all of our pro-social activities is Writing Circle, modeled after the classes that we provide inside detention facilities that take place Thursday evenings prior to COVID-19. It will take place every Thursday, beginning around 6.30 at our office in East Hollywood. Because of the ongoing pandemic, we are providing our writing circles on virtual platforms, Zoom in particular. Just to, so people who have been system impacted know that at least one day out of each week, there's a safe space for them to come to and to be able to be their authentic selves and know that those that are in that space are non-judgmental, are there to receive them and support them to the best of their abilities. So separate from our writing circles, we also offer life skills workshops, cultural field trips, community engagements, and aggression replacement training workshops that focus on anger control, moral reasoning, and skill strength. So that is the overview of everything that we offer at Inside Out Writers. I wanted to go back and ask a little bit about the beginning process. You went through it as a writer, but I was curious what it's like to observe budding writers, because writing is like a process of self-discovery. Before I was an artist, I was a writer. But what it's like to observe someone going through that process of pulling things out of their lives and making them prose or poetry or song lyrics or whatever it is that they're writing, but seeing them, observing them sort of coming unto themselves, and you're observing their flowering as a writer. Like, what is that like? I love that question. I think coming unto ourselves is just spot on because a lot of times when we talk about recidivism throughout the nation, LA County in particular, and the statistics are staggering, right? I think a lot of what is often unrecognized is the root causes of why Mm -hmm. crime first occurs and then why some at times people return to certain behaviors or activities. Based on my experience working at this organization and also because of my own personal experiences with the criminal justice or often, you know, thought of as the criminal punishment system, right, is that there isn't enough attention applied on root causes. And root causes to me means making sure that we understand exactly what trauma and healing informed practices are. I think it's really uplifting when we see people being able to finally begin addressing what their own root causes are. And oftentimes, we know that hurt people hurt people. We know that prior to victimizing others, people were often victimized themselves. So there's trauma there. What we try to do is to make sure that people are in a safe environment to be able to start really thinking back to why things resulted in the ways that they did, what occurred in their lives, beginning from their earliest childhood memory. Mm. There are some catchphrases, right? The school to prison pipeline. 
right. those that are really boots on ground that understand this, that are within proximity of the communities where a lot of individuals end up in our incarceration system, we actually understand that it's not just a school to prison pipeline, but a cradle to mm-hmm. prison pipeline. Yeah. From yes. the moment they're born. Mm-hmm. And even now with Texas before, you know, before birth. I mean, it's an assault that starts from even conception. Exactly. And so there are times when we talk about responsiveness, right? Something happens and someone responds. But for those that are at the forefront of this, we can also appreciate how so many people are simply resorted to survival tactics. Because that's mm-hmm. all they've ever known. So finding people who can really understand and be able to acknowledge that, to be able to start addressing any type of underlying trauma based off of abuse, neglect, abandonment, whatever, to then be able to do their best to heal themselves. Because let's be honest, we can help people heal. We can offer support, but that's something that right. every individual has to do on their own accord, right? Mm-hmm. But we are there by their side every step of the way. And what we try to do is make sure that we are giving them an outlet to engage in self-discovery, to just write about it. Because speaking openly, verbally with individuals, with people is one thing. And sometimes there is a reluctancy or a hesitancy to be as forthcoming, as vulnerable as we would like to be in fear of judgment of other things when it comes to our, to just be, showing up as who we are but when we give them just a blank piece of paper it's like there's no reason for you to fake the fun or anything it's just you and this piece of paper no reason for you to be less than who you are and at the end of it all get out of your system whatever it is that you've been suppressing or whatever it is get out of your system you want to share it incredible then we can offer support with things that you are sharing openly if you don't want to crumble it up throw it away, whatever, as long as you got it out of your system. I think what you're lifting up is so powerful, Jimmy, because as a person who's read a lot of this writing, you can, you're talking essentially about this trauma that is living inside. I mean, it lives inside everybody. Everybody has pieces of this, right? But when that also impacts huge chunks of your life, and then you're put into positions where it's life or death. I mean, it, it really is, even for, for these young people, I'm always taken aback by how grave like their situations are. Like they're living through things that you shouldn't have to live through until you're an adult or ever, right? And to be then also having to put on an adult kind of front, whether that's masked by humor or being quiet or acting out, there is always something that's there covering up. And I think you're right. Like the open page, that blank page allows for that vulnerability in a way that you're just not allowed, not only in society, but in these spaces that we work in, especially there, you have to keep your guard up all the time. Absolutely. I fully agree with everything you just said. So what's interesting, I think about Inside Out Writers, like I said before, is that you all do work inside and outside. You're taking a look at 
this young person as a whole person, starting from the point of their creative spirit, right? So it's very interesting how this one small kernel is the thing that has led to really seeing people. And I think the other piece that I think is really profound and I have found to be true is about this idea of dependability, that young people really crave folks who are going to be in their lives who are dependable and who are honest with them. <laughs> like really, really, because they will be brutally honest with you. <laughs> That's for sure. Right. They'll tell you about yourselves, but they want that honesty back. They don't want anything sugarcoated. But that piece of dependability I found has been really amazing. And I think that's why even the Thursday night space, which is like to me, every time I entered, I feel like it's a sacred space. I feel like that's why it's so powerful and why you all have been so successful in doing the work that you've been doing because you are a something stable that's in people's lives. Can you yeah. describe the Thursday night space a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I will definitely describe the Thursday night space, but you know, to what Ella just shared. I just want to like touch on that very quickly, the dependability, which, you know, oftentimes I say is that consistency. When we think about those who are incarcerated, and again, being mindful that they at times have been system involved with various systems prior to current involvement with the criminal justice or punishment system, they were at times various systems client, and that's all they were. They were someone's client. When it comes to, like, the work that we do at Inside Writers, you know, when it comes to our alumni program, are they technically clients people were providing services to now that these individuals have come home from incarceration? Yes. But we were very mindful about how even something as simple, you know, when it comes to the word client, can have a re-triggering type of effect. And mm-hmm. I tie this back to being dependable, being consistent. If we are thinking about people who have undergone any type of abandonment in their lives, those that they learn to trust, who abruptly, without notice, disappear from their lives, then being part of various systems, being a client, where it was one person after another who came in and out of their lives, again, we're thinking about abandonment, right, when I'm speaking about these things, then they have unintentionally re-triggered you know, that trauma that comes from being abandoned. When we think about people who work inside detention facilities, who show up, but then disappear, you are working with people who are undergoing some of these issues or doing their best to heal from them, but you're, again, re-triggering them. So you are inadvertently making things worse. So the thing that Inside Writers does is to make sure that the classes we provide are creative writing classes to or in these housing units and various detention facilities, that there is consistency. That week in and week, it's the same facilitator that shows up in these. So the individuals that are being taught these classes know that there is someone that's showing up time and time again, not just being alternated inside these cycles that take place at times when it comes to certain modules or what have you, but we show up time and time again to do our best to avoid making people feel as if we're giving you a chance, we're trusting in you now, and then you're abandoning us yet again. And I just want to touch on that first. And it seems like in in the field of arts and corrections, there's this acknowledgement, which 
for some reason on the outside, it seems so simple, but it doesn't seem to get through that it's a total support system that is needed. Like the art is the way in and yes, beautiful things come out of it and people emerge from it, you know, artists that can go on and do other things, but you're treating the whole person mm -hmm. through art and, and you just kind of underscored that point with what you were saying just now and how important it is just to have that consistency of, I'm not going to disappoint you. I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I was just curious about the Thursday night uh, yes. writers. Okay. Going back to um, consistency, dependability, what we try to do to make sure that there is, again, this consistency factor is making sure that on Thursdays, despite whatever it is that people are scrambling to try to accomplish and do, now that they're home after being incarcerated, is that take a break on a Thursday, come over to the inside hours office and join us given the current COVID-19 situation, join us online to be able to decompress, to be able to then just give yourself a pile and acknowledge your own efforts, try to make the best of your own life now, despite whatever obstacles you're encountering. Show up and let go of whatever it is that sometimes you have to carry as a front, as a facade, because even within our own families, for those who have been system impacted, it oftentimes takes one to no one, where even though family members, close friends, may have a very good understanding of what it was like for us as those that had to live behind walls, they don't truly understand all of it, right? So it is important for there to be a space where pretty much everyone has been through that same journey, who has that same shared experience who can show up and support one another in the ways necessary, whether direct support or with supporting morale or emotional support or whatever it is, just to be able to say, I hear you, I feel you, I've been there, and yeah, you know, it's going to be hard, and it is hard, but look, man, we're going to power through this together, you know, and anything that you're going through right now, reach out to me, and if I haven't gone through it, chances are I know someone else that's going through it right now, just so you know that you're not in this alone, right? Because if we think about why people end up turning to games that eventually turn to criminal activities or behavior, it's because they're lacking something, right? They're mm -hmm. lacking something and they're turning towards something that they're craving that they need. And that's oftentimes support and love and acceptance. And so that's belonging. what it is that we want to be able to do. And the belonging, absolutely. And that's what we want to be able to do consistently. Despite whatever is taking place every week, let's take a break. Let's come together. Let's break bread. Prior to COVID, that's what it would be. Literally breaking bread, having food, <laughs> you know, and just being able to like, you know, build our community and just to have a good meal together and be able to write and be able to talk and then be able to vent about whatever it is and walk away from every Thursday evening knowing that I'm feeling a weight because I know mm -hmm. people get it. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned through writing? I mean, you are a writer. You have experienced so many young people's writing, both inside and outside. You've seen folks through their journey is what I mean of writing on the inside and then coming out and having the supporting environment. What is some of the things that has like have stuck out to you over this journey of being with Inside Out Writers, being executive director of Inside Out Writers, it's gone through a lot of changes as well. But at the core of it, right, 
you're describing some of the basic essential core things that define it. And I'm wondering through the art, what has come out of this that you could describe? That's a really great question. I would say that for me, just being able to read so many writings from so many system impacted individuals, youth and adults, is that through their writings, I am privileged to be able to see who they really are. Because there are times when I visit some of my classes, right? And when speaking with them, verbal communication is different and they have their peers or others that they're trying to impress or live to you know these individuals expectations so they're telling me certain things where i'm like okay okay all right that's what you're saying all right but then so every so often i'll be able to read something where it's just me reading their own words no one else is listening in on anything where i'm like aha this is who you are this is how you're able to find your true self and be able to let that person, your true self, come out in the only way that you're able to because of this environment that you find yourself in at this time. And so prior to being executive director of this organization at Inside Writers, I was the case manager. I was unable to really receive the information I was looking for when speaking with someone directly to figure out how I could best be a support to them. But sitting in writing circles, when it's now something that they are to be able to write about whatever, and I'm listening in on what they themselves, again, are comfortable enough in sharing, where I'm like, okay. That's true. Exactly. Ah, there it is. This is what it is that you need some support in. And then I will very discreetly say, hey, so and so. Just really want to quickly check in with you, follow up, and thank you for things that you shared. And some things came up, and I just want to see, like, what can I do for you? What can this organization do? And so, yeah, that's why I think is what is so beautiful about what we're able to discover through writing. Speaking of sharing, do you have some writing that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I mean, I myself have been system impacted, right? Which is why this is not just a job to me. It's something that I feel is fully ingrained in me because of how I was directly impacted by first our juvenile justice system, followed by our adult, you know, justice system that resulted in quite a lengthy sentence for myself, right? But when I was 17 years old at Central Juvenile Hall, I came across this poem that was in a book written by Dean Koontz. It was a poem that, even when I was 17 years old, really had significant meaning to me, where reading it for the first time, I was like, wow, this is so true, and this is so powerful. And then throughout my years incarcerated, I would often find myself like kind of like reciting that poem in my own mind. And even to this day, all these years after I've been home from incarceration, during some difficult moments in my life, I still reflect on that poem. So I'm just going to like openly share it. And I don't know if there's a title to the poem, but I know that it's also in the Book of Counted Sorrows, which is also like a compilation of poems. But in any case, the poem goes, On the road that I have taken, one day walking, I awaken. Amazed to see where I have come, where I'm going, 
where I'm from. This is not the path I thought. This is not the place I sought. This is not the dream I bought. Just a fever of fate I caught. I'll change highways in a while. At the crossroads, one more mile. My path is lit by my own fire. I'm going only where I desire. On the road that I have taken, one day walking, I awaken. One day walking, I awaken on the road that I have taken. Nice. Nice. Beautiful. Thank Thank you so much. I love that it's a journey. It's like a very specific journey of this person walking. You can extrapolate it mm-hmm. in life's journey. Mm-hmm. So I could see definitely why it was something that impacted you a great deal. Absolutely. And it was both for, you know, things that were negative, right? Where I mm-hmm. didn't ever imagine myself walking, you know, the halls of juvenile hall on the tiers or on the yard in prison or you know, later on, especially now in my life, being able to lead this organization that has, you know, just really transformed and shaped my life. It's all so surreal. And it's all about that journey. And at the same time, I know that I as an individual, there's so much that is outside of my control, but I also have the ability to go where I desire to put my own ambitions out there into the universe and to do what I can. So that's why, you know, that poem really does mean a lot to me because sometimes we start off, you know, thinking things are going to be one way. And then like, you know, that poem said, you know, it's not, you know, the path I thought, the place I saw, the dream I bought. And it was fate that just ended up happening. And I arrived at wherever I was. And then now, since I'm at this intersection, at this highway, hoping to walk that extra mile going where I desire, it's like, something that really made a profound impact in me. And I think that's such an important piece for folks to know about the agency that we have, Mm -hmm. despite what life may throw at us. And it will throw things at us. Mm -hmm. It has thrown a whole pandemic in front of us, (laughs) right? But even in that, like we have the agency to make choices and do things a certain way, Um, which kind of, I hadn't thought about it when I started saying this, but it makes me think about the ways you all have been nimble during the pandemic to make sure that consistency and dependability that you're talking about exists. I mean, you talked about it with the Thursday night circle, but can you talk a little bit about what's it been like to sustain that for folks inside as well? Have you been able to make that adjustment and be able to still be in touch with the young people who are inside? You know, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, it came with certain restrictions that prevented not just service providers, but even family members to be able to spend time with incarcerated youth, right? It resulted in us at its Outriders having to work with certain government agencies to think of how we can still provide something to these young individuals incarcerated at what I feel is the most difficult times of their lives, you know, being completely isolated and abandoned. And if we think about how COVID-19 impacted everyone in the world with having to be self-isolating, quarantine, and the things that have arisen from that when it comes to like an increase in depression and all of Mm -hmm. these things and anxiety, I can't help but think about what about these kids 
here. What about that when they are being, in some cases, forgotten? I talked earlier about abandonment. Now they're probably feeling like they are completely abandoned when their parents can't visit them, when people who are offering certain programs can't be there to see them. So it has been a difficult time. And for us, the best that we've been able to do working alongside some government agencies that care for young people incarcerated is just be able to provide our classes through phone calls, teleconferences, or other means. But have we been able to see them in person directly? There are steps that have been taking place in recent months here now in 2021. And there are some opportunities now for incarcerated youth to have certain programs and facilitators, providers, family members, you know, be able to spend time with them. We're still working on getting that, and it's for various reasons, but Inside Writers is definitely doing its best to be able to return inside these facilities. I think, arguably, it's when our services are needed more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, you do such tremendous work, you and your staff, not only because it's necessary work, but as we had talked about before, it's life affirming. It's it's like necessary and life giving work. And I just love all the passion that you have for the work and for the young people. It's so evident and it's so important. And to know that you all have impacted that many young people over time is just astonishing because we know that this work is preventing folks from young people from coming back into the system. And not only that, but allowing them space to be themselves, not whatever label society wants to put on them, not whatever society wants to think about them, but just themselves and for them to be loved and valued just for that, just because they exist is so, so important. No, and thank you, you know, for just this opportunity and for being able to give me the space to just share the work that my organization does and to be able to just share my own thoughts when it comes to a lot of things that are taking place. And if I am able to have an opportunity to speak directly to my brothers and sisters wearing blue, I just want to let them know, like, hey, I myself have been there. So many people have been there in those same clothes and the same settings that you're now in. And it's literally know that you are not forgotten know that you are thought of daily know that you are supported to the best of our ability and if we can offer more direct support to you now please know there are so many people who are going to be awaiting your return to your home to your community who are going to welcome you and help in whatever ways you need us to make sure that you don't have to return to those settings you are currently and so it's just been an incredible privilege and opportunity for me to like spend time with you, Ella, and also with you, Kathy. And I thank the two of you so very much for even dreaming up this podcast, for the work that you're doing, just be able to provide any type of uplifting messages in the best ways possible. So thank you. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to meet you. Please keep on keeping on because you are doing such good work. Absolutely. Let's all keep on keeping on. Thanks, Jimmy. It was such a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode with Jimmy Wu, Executive Director of Inside Out Writers. After hearing our talk with Jimmy, we hope you will feel inspired to put pen to paper. So this week's prompt will be a written one. Here goes. If you had a magical power that lasted for a day, what would it be and what would you do with it? Think about it. You have a superhuman or magical power, but for only 24 hours. 
describe the power and how you would use it.